Swift, and you're listening to Discover Lafayette, a podcast dedicated to the people and rich culture of Lafayette, the gateway to South Louisiana. We record Discover Lafayette with the support of Raider, a managed IT service provider that offers world-class service, including cybersecurity, communications, and technology support. With Raider, you have just one vendor and one number to call, allowing you to concentrate on what is most important, your business. For more information, visit RaiderSolutions.com. The generosity of Oxner Lafayette General makes this podcast possible. As Acadiana's largest regional health system, the organization has more than 5,500 employees and includes eight hospitals, more than 100 clinics, urgent cares, and professional centers. Its flagship hospital, Oxner LGMC, is the region's only level two trauma center and one of two teaching hospitals in Acadiana. Oxner Lafayette General strives to put patients first and makes caring their top priority. In continuous efforts to reach more patients, Oxner Lafayette General maintains its commitment to keeping care local and making healthcare more accessible for everyone. For more information, please visit oxner.org slash Lafayette. Today's podcast is brought to you by Lafayette-based Vimed. In addition to its national prominence in post-acute respiratory care and sleep therapy, Vimed's sister company, Vimed Healthcare Staffing, can assist any clinician listeners out there searching for a new career opportunity. Visit vimedstaffing.com to learn more about their staffing services and how they can benefit both medical professionals and hospital systems. Speaking of Vimed Healthcare Staffing, or VHS as it's known, we're joined today by Travis Shug, Vice President of Staffing Services at VHS. Travis is responsible for steering the company's long-term strategic direction and day-to-day operations. Travis moved to Lafayette in 2021 to join VHS, and he's overseen his team expansion to 28-plus employees to meet the burgeoning regional staffing needs across all healthcare specialties. Travis Shug, I want to welcome you to Discover Lafayette and for sharing your work and your journey in healthcare staffing, which has really changed so much in the past few years. Thank you for joining us. Sure has. Uh, good afternoon, and uh, thank you, Jan, for yeah. uh, for having myself on and uh, learning more about uh, Vimed and, and uh, VHS yeah. here today. I'm so grateful for Vimed's support of this podcast, and uh, I interviewed a few years back during covid we interviewed uh, Casey okay. and Michael and then Max Hoyt, you know, Casey's dad. And I was amazed at how fast they've grown, but the sister company, the healthcare staffing, Vimed Healthcare, is really taken off also. Yeah, um, you know, obviously you're familiar with uh, the Vimed story, and it's, uh, it's a great story for this community uh, with Mike Moore and Casey Hoyt uh, starting it and since brought on the additional leadership with uh, Todd Zender and, and the board. Uh, Casey was actually uh, in my office in Phoenix two and a half years ago, and it was during COVID, and everybody was trying to figure out how to recruit, how to retain their clinical staff, especially with their best-in-class business model of providing respiratory therapists in the home. All of a sudden, you can't go into the home, and respiratory therapists with ICU nurses were the, the hottest commodity out there. And since at that point, they started to work with government and health systems with some of their recruitment needs, not necessarily just their COPD or, or CPAP mm-hmm. treatment that uh, they've been known for. And Casey was in my office uh, trying to pick my mind one day about medical recruitment. 
And I'm thinking like, it's easy, man. I've, I've done that for 15 mm -hmm. years. Uh, I was more intrigued with the Vimeds story ah. and how they got up and running and how they've kind of maneuvered the market uh, in 18 and 19 and with some investors and, and how they went to the Toronto Stock Exchange and then back to the NASDAQ. Mm -hmm. And I was blown away about how he created his board, how he created his mm -hmm. culture, and how they really built this best-in-class service. And so it became a chess match of who can pick who's mine for 30 minutes. Oh, how interesting, though. And Because wow. uh, they're so young. I mean, those are young entrepreneurs. They are. They're just, they're kicking it. <laughs> they are. So uh, a few weeks later, I threw them a text and, you know, thanked them and said, hey, I think I can do some damage with you, oh. you know? And I'm um, like, I don't know t a ton about Vimed, but, you know, I really enjoyed uh, who you guys are. Mm -hmm. And so he asked me to create a, a business plan for Vimed to get into the medical healthcare staffing arena. Mm -hmm. So I came out a few months later, uh, presented a business plan, and it was probably, I don't know, maybe a good 50 pages. <laughs> and Casey, I don't think, you know, read through one page. He, he just wanted <laughs> he to— He makes quick decisions. He huh? just wanted to keep picking uh, my mind uh -huh. and, and uh, get me introduced. And, you know, from that point forward, it's— we decided to—it's a complementing uh, service for Vimed, mm -hmm. and that's one of the things that I, I tell to a lot of our clients is, mm -hmm. historically in healthcare, you have health systems, government agencies, organizations like Vimed, where a lot of the recruitment you know, goes through HR. You, know, you, you post a job, you hope your brand and benefits are strong enough to, for people to apply, and then you work on your retention— where, you know, we kind of flip the script a little bit where recruitment should be more offensive, you know. It should be outbound. Mm -hmm. We should be promoting our brand. We should pr be promoting who we are. Let's not just sit and wait. And as Vimed wanted to grow from the Gulf region to, to you know, all the states across the country, they thought about recruitment being allowing them to go on the offense when they get into new markets, you know. So we started to get into new markets like uh, – Michigan this past year. So we go out and we go out and, and recruit the market and, mm -hmm. and tell them what's available. And so I, was, I tell people I, was, I brought on board twofold. One, to help Vimed uh, better recruit the clinical staff. And two, to build out a new business line for them. Mm -hmm. Since they realized during COVID, a lot of their clients were asking them for staffing specifically. So uh, moved down here. What do you think about Louisiana? Ooh. <laughs> it's different, huh? <laughs> We're loving it. Mm -hmm. uh, I got a wife of uh, 19 years, Ashley, and we got a, a junior and an eighth grader currently. And I moved them mid-school year, oh. and I was pretty nervous about yeah. it. But uh, God opened the door so wide that it was easy for us to walk through. Good. And you know, we knew nobody here. We knew nothing about Lafayette. Mm -hmm. We knew very little about Louisiana, and we we've, we've been loving it. Uh, Had we, you ever been here? Maybe to New Orleans when I was yeah. 20, uh -huh. <laughs> like everybody well, else. Louisiana, yeah. yeah. Uh, that is what most people think. Huh? Yeah, I've been to a conference or two maybe 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, Lafayette's been an amazing community, just uh, the people, the culture. Um, I was born and raised on a, in a farm town south of uh, Phoenix, and it kind of reminds me of the community I was raised in. Mm -hmm. And I'm thankful that uh, my kids can be raised in a community that's trusting, you know. Right. Yeah. Run around the neighborhood, hop yeah. in someone's mm -hmm. truck and go to a ball game, mm -hmm. walk down a mile and get a milkshake. You yeah. know, like uh, yeah. it, it's a healthy place for my family right now. 
So it's a healthy place, and it's also a place for businesses like Vimad to grow. I mean, this is such a success story. Um, I, I'm curious about the, you know, the clinicians. Like, what type of workers, what kind of professionals do you look for when you recruit? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's not an easy question either. <laughs> uh, when I first moved down here, uh, I had to build my team out first. And so I'll, I'll kind of go backwards before I go forwards okay. for that question. And I thought, you know, post-COVID, everybody was working remote. So I thought we were going to build these remote recruitment teams that people already knew how to recruit and talk to clinicians. And lo and behold, once I got down here, I realized what a hardworking community. It's educated. It's got this amazing entrepreneur spirit about it. So I think 25 of our first 28 employees are all local. Okay. And I was Good. not expecting that because mm -hmm. nobody has really, it's not like I have other medical staffing companies or recruiters to pull from. So I hired people that had more of a sales outgoing, mm -hmm. actually uh, recruited some nurses as well that wanted to step away bedside post-COVID. So I ended up bringing in a lot of people that I had to, to train mm -hmm. from, from, from the ground up. And I also learned simultaneously that, you know, when you start to build out your clients, uh, Louisiana is very much uh, a, who you know, who you grew up with. And what it's high like, school did you go to? Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> you get that all the time. It's like, oh. 100%. Uh, quick sidebar, I'm still not accustomed to introducing myself uh, with my full name and where I'm from. <laughs> you know, so I'm like, hey, I'm Travis. You know, and they're like, well, what's your last name and where are you from? And I'm like... <laughs> I thought Travis was good. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Thibodeau. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. um, <laughs> and so uh, it, it's kind of like SEC football. So we kind of visited every hospital, every health system in the state, and just started mm -hmm. to tell our story. And we've really b built out what I think is the, the best recruitment and workforce team in between Dallas, Atlanta, South, and Nashville. And our clients started to kind of grow with us. Mm -hmm. But with that, when you bring in new people that have never recruited before or have never talked to a nurse or physician or, or allied health professional, um, it's easy for them to talk about what they know. And so what do they know? They knew their home state. Mm -hmm. So the first few months, all we talked about is being the premier healthcare staffing organization in Louisiana. You know, we weren't trying to recruit for California. We weren't trying to recruit, like, let's just recruit with what we know. Um, and so with that, we started recruiting uh, nurses, uh, registered nurses, LPNs, nursing assistants. Uh, and then phase two, we started doing a lot of uh, social work, both uh, for uh, private and public state-based uh, agencies. Mm -hmm. So uh, post-COVID, there's a, there's, a, there's a big need for counselors, uh, social workers, uh, master levels, as well as uh, entry-level positions like behavior health techs. And then most recently, we started to launch our physician brand of services. Okay. So what types? So, are there certain specialties? You know, I teach our recruitment teams to be uh, specialty agnostic. Okay. That way, one day, if a hospital needs some sort of specialty physician, you can. If mm -hmm. an FQHC needs a optometrist or dentist, you can recruit that. I do think the teams have to be specialized by nursing and physician because it does take a, a special... Uh, maturity and confidence level to speak with physicians when you're recruiting them, knowing that uh, 
whether it's reality or not, you know, they're going to be the smartest one on the phone. They think they hold all the, the, the poker chips and they get to call the shots. So, um, but yeah, those are the, the kind of the main specialties that we mm-hmm. specialize, uh, that we break our teams down into. So not like x-ray technicians and that type of thing. It's more the physicians and the nurse and social workers. No, I, I kind of put those in what's called an allied care category. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we do uh, have an allied team that specializes in uh, respiratory, pharmacy, imaging. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in the hospital systems or, or most health systems, you got the nurses, you got the physicians, and then everything else gets thrown into the allied bucket. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> so. So you did this for 15 years. You were saying. So how did you train yourself? Like, was there a degree in this type of work? <laughs> Man, that's a that's a trick question because uh, you go to these conferences and staffing now uh, is a, is a hundred and seventy billion dollar industry, and healthcare now is a I know, I know. healthcare is going to be a forty four to forty five billion dollar industry in the U.S. this year, and it's one of the more unique industries that people don't know about. But mm-hmm. there's no degree for it. So you, you network with people, and it's always like, how did staffing pick you? Uh, it's a beautiful industry because it moves very, very quick. Mm-hmm. No day is the same. Uh, your clients' needs are kind of ever-changing, and you kind of help them get from point A to point B a little bit quicker sometimes. But you recruited yourself. You pitched yourself <laughs> to Casey. 100%. I love that. Yeah. Well, most uh, rec- leaders in recruitment all started off recruiting. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the job itself is a little deceiving because most people don't wake up and say, I want to sell something today or I want to, I want to recruit people today. Like it's rejection is not a glamorous uh, mm-hmm. uh, job. So I kind of just, uh, you know, tell your story, tell them what you're going to do and just follow up with what you're mm-hmm. going to do. You so, know, when I interviewed um, Casey and Michael, I rem- one of the things I remember the most is when Casey talked about selling and Michael was more, I guess, the business counterpart when they started, and Casey was the salesperson. And he talked about you just take rejections over and over and over. Yeah. But it's not really a rejection. You're just getting to where you need to be with the right people. <laughs> but he talked about that. You just you just keep on moving. And he you know, seemed to love the challenge. And for most of us, it hurts to have somebody say no, and it's not even personal. Yeah. You know, they may just not need your service that day. Yeah, they'll uh, on the client side, uh they know why you're calling. Uh-huh. So you try to talk about everything but why you're calling. <laughs> you know, how is your kid's ball game? You know, the uh-huh. weather's nice outside. You, you try to build a relationship with them uh, outside while you're calling. But they'll, they'll call you when they have a need. Mm-hmm. On, the, on the recruitment side, uh, it is a lot of rejection. And we embrace it. We talk about it. We're open about it. We, we don't sit there and say, oh, man, I got hung up on or, or no one's picking up the phone today. You know, we were like, all right. What are the top challenges today? Mm-hmm. You know, what? Uh, what's the craziest story you came across? Uh, sometimes we try to have fun with it, too. Like, we'll come up with uh, bingo cards. And if you say certain things on the phone or if you get uh, people to say certain things to you, you get to punch a bingo card. You know, like— uh, Oh, that's cool. It, you, you know, make, make it a little bit fun. Make yeah. them not think about being rejected, you know. So, Is there a uh, prize for the one that gets the most uh, oh, yeah. obnoxious things happen? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, we'll, we'll put on there, like— uh, Whoever can say winner, winner, chicken dinner, <laughs> or, uh, you know. Oh, I see. You know, to just make it a little, yeah. it, it's professional as well. Uh-huh. But uh, try, try to loosen up the environment mm-hmm. in a, 
when you're on the phone and, and, and build being, your team. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So when you try to recruit someone, like I guess you've got a hospital, let's say that's a client, is that how it works? And they're looking for a certain type of physician or nurse. Like how, how do you, how does it work? If you can just talk <laughs> yeah. about the process. How does it how work? How do you identify people and figure out salary parameters and, you know, based on the region? Like, is this a trade secret? No, it's not a trade secret. It's a, uh, you're making me think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're making me work this afternoon. Um, rates can kind of go one of two ways. The clients can have predetermined rates that they want you to to, to work off of, mm-hmm. or you can kind of educate the client on what the current market rates are for certain specialties. To be realistic. To be realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in today's society, the more transparent and visible you are, it's uh, it's better. Versus trying to like, obviously it's, it sounds like common sense, but you know historically sometimes staffing got a bad name because people would see these high rates, and the provider would maybe get something low, and th- they think that the staffing companies are just making a, an exorbitant amount of money. Um, COVID kind of uh, put gasoline on that a little bit, but post COVID, uh-huh. uh, client or clients and vendors are, are collaborating a little more. You know, this is where I need mm-hmm. to be with my bill rates. What are you seeing out there? What do you think we can pay? There's more collaboration at, at the table on uh, the bill rate side of the house. Um, as far as attracting talent, it, it's kind of kind of goes threefold, right? I mean, facilities always want you know somebody there next week that's going to mm-hmm. move across the street and live in a white picket fence and never leave the community in 40 years. Uh, the reality is, is you know, how do we fix your short-term needs? How do we how do we bring in people that will commit a long term? And then in the meantime, let's work on the perfect person out there. So you kind of approach it threefold as you go out and facilitate and re- recruit applicants. Uh, you know, back in the days, you'd have newspaper ads or job boards, mm-hmm. but who posts their resume on a job board anymore? <laughs> so it's become more specialized into uh, obviously social media is a part of it, uh, some texting campaigns. So it, it's still a data-driven, data is more accessible than ever before, mm-hmm. but it's what you do with that data. So how do you make data purposeful to tell your story as you recruit? Um, and those are some of the things that we, we attack every single day mm-hmm. is who's looking for work today, who's looking for work next month, who would be open to to, to contract work as well. Mm-hmm. And contract work is... Uh, it's variable. It could be anything from a few days to a few years. Oh. So clients typically, as you get to know them, you want to get to know their why. Why are they contracting? Do they just need some travel nurses for the summer and seasonal? Are they bringing people into work nights to better recruit and retain their own staff? Are they going to just outsource a certain component of the hospital that they no longer want to? Uh, they want to focus on what they're good at, but mm-hmm. maybe outsource some of the things that are the biggest pain in the butt for them. Yeah. So getting to know the why allows you to, to recruit a little more purposefully as well with the staff to help them uh, be retained by the facility. It wasn't that long ago, but I remember being intrigued by um, the nurse situation, you know, traveling nurses that work under contract for maybe three to six months at a time somewhere. And we were whitewater rafting and our guide was a nurse. And she said she loves being a nurse and she loves being in the outdoors. So she's able to, you know, juggle her year mm-hmm. and work some in, in a facility, a, you know, medical facility, and then work outdoors with this um, 
whitewater rafting. And I remember just thinking, that'd be so cool. And I'm assuming that she made a premium, you know, I don't know what type of nurse she was. I don't remember that, but that's how I always looked at it. Travis was like a three month, six month gig. And then to see this, that you're really just recruiting nationally now. Yeah, we are. You got outside of Louisiana, you were mentioning. Yeah, we're out of Louisiana. Um, We currently have staff in about 15 states and continue to tell our story and and build on our past performance and and build on our team. And um, the references are kind of king. You know, if you Mm -hmm. have good references, you do quality work, it kind of speaks for itself. So you can move up and you can move down really quick based on the quality of your work. The last gig, you... (laughs) Um, Did well on or blew, huh? <laughs> I know y'all don't blow anything. I don't mean that, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, uh, no, organically building. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, the 15 years ago when I first got into recruitment, it was, it was medical recruitment. It was more supply and demand driven. And it was kind of viewed as like a, a necessary evil if a hospital had to use contract staff. Mm-hmm. So if you had two hospitals side by side, and one utilized contract workers, maybe let's say they had 50, and the other one utilized zero, um, Who, where would you most likely take a loved one if they needed help? The one that didn't need outside contract help. Yeah. And so that was the reality of, of healthcare till about 10 years ago. And then a barrier started to break down and it, the, the mindset got flipped, right? Well, Outside of Bad Apple, which are, there are occasionally, right? Um, they realize that they that the hospitals that have a, had a more diverse workforce had better, healthier outcomes mm-hmm. for their patients because they experienced more. They've worked at different trauma levels. They've worked on different units, mm-hmm. and so they had a, a, a better outcomes based on their diverse workforce. So then facilities started to think about, well, what's a healthy percent for me to allow? contract in my hospital without the the perception of premium being overran by cost. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of hospitals at that point started to, and not just hospitals, um, because if you think outside healthcare, when you think about IT or engineering or Google or all the big companies, right? 20 to 30% of the workforce is contractor contingent in some capacity. Mm -hmm. It just never historically transitioned into healthcare the same. Mm But that occurred the last 10 years. And so facilities are like, I'm going to keep a certain amount of my, my workforce con- contract. They're going to work the nights. They're going to work the weekends. More of my staff can work days. It helps me out with my seasonal. helps me out with flu season. Um, so there's been a lot of benefits on the mindset as, as healthcare has progressed into you know, more of a business, yeah. unfortunately. I like the idea, though, of having that larger labor pool to pick from. You're not just limited by yeah. geography. You can reach anywhere. You can. And, uh, you know, the licensing boards, like if uh, on the nursing side. Mm-hmm. How does that work if you're moving here, let's say, or moving to Michigan? I know you mentioned yeah. Michigan. You're probably farthest flung place. Well, in short, if you're moving somewhere, you need to obtain a, a license in that state. Even if it's just a short term, like a three to six month Contract and a, and a yes or no uh, answer uh, yes, <laughs> but there are uh, compact states. So there's mm-hmm. 36 states right now on the nursing side mm-hmm. that honor the other states' license. So, are we in that? Are we in that pool? Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. It's called a compact license, uh-huh. and so you just pass like a multi-state test. 
it's actually called a multi-state license. Mm -hmm. And so that has really helped the nursing uh, workforce to mm -hmm. be able to move fluidly uh, through the U.S. on the nursing side. Uh, the physician side is, is not as uh, a little more cumbersome. You still have to get a license in every state that you practice, but a handful of states are now honoring the application of another state. So that's kind of uh, expedited it from a few months to a few weeks. Mm -hmm. So there, there's a lot of progression on the licensing side of the house. Um, are you it, involved in lobbying for some changes, you know, to streamline your your work, or is that just things you'd like to see? Huh? Historically, I have not. Mm -hmm. um, I think it'd be fun. <laughs> it could be fun. Yeah. It's, I wouldn't know what the the goal would be. Mm -hmm. I guess just for you know, potential workers to have flexibility. Yeah. But most people, you know, want to live where they work, right? But you're kind of talking about that nomadic life, mm -hmm. you know, and. It's probably not the typical person. Well, Yes and no, right? Like everybody has a little bit of fire in them. You know, like I want to go explore. Mm -hmm. So you get a bunch of first timers that, you know, like they'll call up like, what do you have in Hawaii? <laughs> you know, like I want to go to Florida in the winter and I love up in Rochester, New York. Um, so you, you, but for Sarasota, the, Florida, baby. <laughs> but with that change I was talking about uh, earlier with uh, a higher percent of the workforce being contract in some capacity within healthcare, it's become a more acceptable uh, career path mm -hmm. where also sometimes if you run a, a, if you had a travel assignment on your resume 15 years ago, what were you running from? Where were you in trouble from? I see. Yeah. You know, and yeah. nowadays it's more of like, what hospitals can I work at contract to build my resume up mm -hmm. and build my experience up? That way, when I do settle down, I can be the cream of the crop nurse in my community. Mm -hmm. And so you have uh, providers being more selective on where they work, protecting their their, their experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it has become a more acceptable practice where people work for you three, five years, and all they do is take different assignments uh, across the country. Um, whether they want to see the country, whether they want to live in specific parts of, mm -hmm. of the country during the year, uh, it's uh, there's... I call them the nomads, but... Uh, yeah. They may just a, want to experience, like you said, those institutions where they can really grow well, with and, their and skills. Every hospital is, is different, you know, like working in a rural hospital, mm -hmm. working uh, in a community like Lafayette, working in downtown New Orleans. Um, you know, sometimes you work in, in really busy facilities for such a long time that you may want to go to a rural facility and, and not... Work as hard, you know. Like, there, there's a lot of as much, yeah. Stress, yeah. But yeah. today's society, of you know, I want to control, I want to have influence, I want to, you know, make my own decisions. Uh, that that travel component allows those individuals to do mm -hmm. such. I'm curious. So, once you place someone, you successfully match an employer with um, the contract worker. Is your job completed then, or do you do anything with the HR component? Are you once once you place someone, yeah. is that the end of your assignment? No. So that's a good question to kind of define. In healthcare staffing, we're not necessarily just a perm placement organization. So we are the employer of record for our W two staff. I see. Please explain that. Yeah. So 
based on the type of specialty and uh, uh, on the physician side, you know, or consultant side, you know, more independent contractor based uh, work. Uh, when it comes to the nursing and allied, it's it's employment based work W two. So we payroll weekly okay. for all our staff, um, which is a which is a, a, a differentiator in the market. You know mm-hmm. where we we pay weekly. Um, we help with various types of uh, per diems and lodging based on you know the locations they oh. may choose as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the GSA has a, has a great uh, website and compliance that we have to take part in. Mm-hmm. But uh, but the yeah, taxes and all like the. Employee taxes, you were responsible for all that. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, we have hundreds of people out on assignment right now. Mm -hmm. And every single week we are processing payroll, managing benefits. Those 28 plus employees you mentioned. No, those are my internal staff. Okay. You've got others that are doing the. We have, as far as. Yeah, Vimed at the corporate level does the accounting side, Mm -hmm. but we run our operation on the payroll side and um, the recruitment side, mm-hmm. you know, underneath VHS. Was that part of your business plan, Travis, when you pitched this to, to Casey? It was. Um, it, for the most part, it. I don't think they fully understood what the, the staffing arena was like. It's been a lot of uh, educating up as we build down. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been awesome. It, it complements each other very, very well. You know, I I kind of joke with them sometimes. I'm like, did you guys know what we were going to be doing two years in? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but it, it complements each other, yeah. and it's been absolutely uh, amazing. And it's helped them diversify, too, mm-hmm. you know, as they want to grow. And and uh, we haven't quite started to cross-sell yet, meaning <clears throat> when they're out there selling hospitals on their respiratory program, we don't have a joint sales team out there selling on staffing and that. But so, you're building relationships. We are, and, and yeah. uh, you know, we 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 cross notes up and and you know make introductions. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, they have their sales strategy. We have ours. It doesn't necessarily align. But it's uh, we smile because it's it's the right mix of people and it's a good complementing uh, service line to what Vimet's mm-hmm. accomplishing out there. Mm-hmm. Do you have to travel a lot for work, or do you have people that are on the road? <laughs> For you, um, I have people on the road currently. <laughs> um, you get to stay home and watch ball games and things. <clears throat> I do. When I was younger, uh, man, I think I had a, I was platinum with American and A list with Southwest in the same year. Mm-hmm. So uh, now the kids are a little bit older. Uh, I try to make it more of a focus to not travel mm-hmm. as much. Yeah, and you've gotten involved in our community also. I know you're on the executive board of. If you want to talk about some of your community work. Yeah, 100%. So uh, through Todd Casey and, and Mike's uh, wisdom, uh, Vimet takes part in One Acadiana. And to get me introduced to the community um, and leaders and just everything that, you know, is in, involved here, they uh, asked me to take the executive board seat on behalf of Vimed, and I've been on there for a little over a year and a half. At first, uh, I've never really been a part of uh, community outreach or chamber of commerce or, you know, kind of uh, the strategic approach for a community. Mm -hmm. I've never been exposed to anything like that. But one of the reasons why I wanted to to move and continue to evolve my career was to learn different ways to lead, yeah. learn different ways to, you know, 
be a mentor or to coach or to influence. And indirectly, although I wasn't looking for it, my community involvement down here has been night and day compared to anything else I've done before. Mm -hmm. I've just uh, been a good old farm kid that just shows up to work every day and just grinds it out. Mm -hmm. Or here, if you're not a part of your community and learning about the future and help bridging that gap and help uh, taking a step back to lead forward, then, you know, what are we working for? Mm -hmm. And that has been a, a tremendous opportunity. And I've been mentored by the community at the same time to become a better leader and, and to kind of define what you stand for within not necessarily your organization, but within your neighborhood and, and yeah. in your community. So it's That's beautifully sad. And it's so true. You know, I was involved like you at, um, when it was still the Chamber of Commerce, but that's really what opened my eyes about the possibilities that Lafayette had that it hadn't pursued. And it really sparked an interest in me in seeing our community grow and thrive. Yeah. And it always did. It was always that wildcatter mentality, but we've also had other challenges, as you've probably learned about urban sprawl and mm -hmm. maintaining infrastructure and, you know, how do you grow a community to be sustainable? Yeah, uh, I, I think the first thing that kind of stood out was how well the community diversified from uh, oil and gas in the 90s and 2000s into healthcare. Mm -hmm. And uh, It's been a know, game changer there's, for us. There's a lot of uh, wise uh, men and women in the community that, that were a part of that. And mm -hmm. I think that's a huge game changer for Lafayette and uh, you know the, the nine regional parishes that I don't think people— I recognize that coming in from the outside, but that's something that they should take great uh, pride in, mm -hmm. that their community had the foresight. You know, you have the Acadians, you have the LHCs, you have the Schumachers, mm -hmm. um, you know, you've got many other local brands. In addition, you know, you got Viamed coming up now as well. And healthcare is not going away, uh, you know, both just in general, but out of this community. So that really stood out to me. And I had no clue about any of it until I got uh -huh. down here. And you've only and been I'm here in what? healthcare. Yeah, since 2021. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the other part is, you know, there's a lot of conversation at almost every meeting you go to about workforce recruitment and retention. Mm -hmm. And it seems like it's this big mystery out there of how do you recruit and retain? And everybody's talking about it. And, you know, one, I think you have to put a process in place and trust it, right? Uh, you know, most people, employers included, do not want to put the work in to develop their people. You know, personal opinion, disclosure here, this mm -hmm. is my opinion. You know, like you got to put the work in to develop your people, right? Mm -hmm. And then, then you got to work on the culture for them to want to stay with you and grow with you. And play bingo. And play bingo. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and part of it is, is how do you want to be treated as an as a, an employee as well? As a person of respect, you know, like that 100%. matters. Yeah. And I think everybody has to realize that there's no such thing as perfection, right? Like there, there's not a perfect boss. There's not a perfect company. There's not a perfect fill in the blank. It's about facilitation, mm -hmm. right? I'm going to get it wrong. You're going to get it wrong. You know, but at the end of the day, I trust what we're doing as an organization. I trust you as an individual. Let's continue to to facilitate and 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 explore more, mm -hmm. and uh, as we grow uh, our brand and our services here within the community. Yeah. So, if people are interested in wanting to know more about Vimed Healthcare Staffing, you want to talk about that? Like, how do they how do they find out more? Is your website the best place to go? Yeah. So we uh, vimedstaffing.com. 
we just redid our brand, our logo, and our website within the past uh, three months. Uh, we're also part of Vimed.com, which is the, the parent company that we're a part of. And uh, we got our stories up there. We got our bio up there. We got all our current jobs. Um, a part of the rebrand and refresh was to make our jobs real time with our clients. So with that, any job that comes in from a client, which can be one of a lot of different sources, real time it goes to the website mm-hmm. and back to our client. Oh. And so we have over 2,400 jobs up today across the country, primarily in the, in the medical nursing uh, uh, community. And um, so we've been able to automate that and take all human touch out and you know, utilize today's technology mm-hmm. for uh, that to occur. So mm-hmm. we try to really uh, give a streamlined experience that's real time and allow the clinical staff to have as much support, but as much uh, autonomy as they want in their mm-hmm. um, path to select jobs or, or places that they like to explore. Right. Well, we're here with Jason Sikora. Jason, thank you for recording oh, oh, our interview today. No, thank you guys for coming in today. I appreciate Join it. Us. Yeah, do you, uh, he's been writing notes, Travis, and we always have questions <laughs> from Jason, thinking of things I never even <clears throat> thought to ask. Uh, certainly. Well, I do, I do have a couple, but I want to go back. First of all, Travis, f- thanks for coming down here today. And uh, thanks for coming in early, too, because I always like talking to guests before before Jan shows up just to kind of see where we are on <laughs> things. So, uh, But it's it, it was interesting hearing you talk about recruiting and retention. Um, specifically for me, because recruiting, I, I come from a music background. Okay. I was a guitar tech for over 10 years. And like for me, the reference was the thing that always got me the next job. And then coming over here, retention is big for us. So here at Raider, our first value when we decided what our company values were was job of choice. And when you look around the office and you see you know the, the ping pong table in the back and you see the yeah. kitchen and you look at our benefits package, we want to retain our people. So what are some... I guess on the recruiting side, what really sticks out to you more than anything else, or is it a balance? Is it schooling, experience, references? And then on the retention side, what any advice for employers? Yeah. So first on the client side, mm-hmm. uh, past performance is king. You got to protect that at all costs. Okay. You know, uh, your references, your past performance, they're the one that's going to get you into the next door. Okay. And it's, I mean, referrals... That's the best way to do business, you know, and uh, there's no different when it comes to to people and staffing. You know, if you're doing a good job one place, you know, the healthcare community, although it's competitive, they're not, they're not selfish either. You know, Mm -hmm. like if somebody's doing something good, they want others to know about it. Yeah. Um, When it comes to internal staff Mm -hmm. on the, the retention side, you know, one, I think staff need to understand where they're at in their career. Okay. You know, because everybody, let's say, wants to be boss. Everybody wants to make a million dollars. Everybody wants to, you know, and, and there may be a few chairs. There may not be a chair at all. Yeah. So I think people need to understand, you know, do I have clarity on my job? Do I have clarity on what, what I need to do to achieve? Do I have clarity on my career path the next three to five years? And I think if they come in every single day and they can work pretty independent with, within those three lanes— and at the same time, you need to have real conversations with your staff. And that doesn't mean you put them down. That doesn't mean, you know, they need to, you know, 
put more widgets together. Mm-hmm. You know, I think your personality really fits mastering recruitment and becoming a, a, a recruiter in a senior level position. I think you're really good navigating challenges and, and solutions. I, I really want you to become more of an account manager on the sales side and represent the company. Okay. Or I think you're good, you know, you're, you're a, just a natural leader. I like to, you know, build teams underneath you. So a lot of what we do is building around our staff with who they are, what they represent, and their capabilities. Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense. And then going back to something we kind of joked a little bit about beforehand, AI. So looking at robotics, oh, yeah. AI, and other emerging technologies, is, is there anything you're really looking forward to? And then on the other side, is there anything you're, you're kind of scared of? <laughs> I think I'm more scared on a personal level <laughs> than I am yeah. a professional okay. level. That, that's fair. Yeah. Um, you know, a little secret is is healthcare staffing is typically five to ten years behind IT and engineering staffing for best practices. Okay. So we get to cheat. All right. I get to look at engineering and IT companies like what are they doing? What are they mm. doing with AI? Oh. Because in healthcare, it's typically a patient first. Mm-hmm. And best practices kind of falls to you know a, a, just a one A 1A to a one B type type deal, mm-hmm. so you get to look at uh, that that side of it. Um, again, it goes back to everybody has access to more data today than ever before, but how do you make that data purposeful? Yeah, you know how do you make that data engaging? And I think that's where AI is really going to kind of take that. Leap because to date it's been more of like human analytics trying to figure out what to do with this data. Yeah. And uh, simple examples, right? You have a nurse, AI can scan the resume and it would tell you where they would most likely work for their next contract automatically for you. They can work in these states and then all of a sudden they have this amount of experience. They have worked at the size of hospitals, right? Historically, this has all been a recruiter that's trying to do this mm-hmm. matchmaking. And now it's automated. And then all of a sudden it tells the nurse, these are the top five jobs that we have for you. Oh, wow. Okay. And it does that like this. Quickly, like you are talking about. Versus a recruiter going back and forth and trying to connect with you in between shifts. So it's going to close that gap in terms of time mm-hmm. as yeah. well. That makes sense. I would imagine research... As well, it's going to be huge for AI before we actually see it yeah. in a hospital next to us. You know, finally, you said you came from Arizona, now here in Louisiana. I'm, I'm a transplant as well, Michigan to California. So I'd like to ask, what do you do for fun? My kids play competitive soccer. Okay. So you drive for fun, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Chauffeur. Yeah. Yeah, they they my my son plays in the MLS Next program. So we were in Austin this past weekend for oh, two wow. games. Oh, wow. Uh, a week ago, we were in England for 10 days. He played four matches over there. Really? My um, goodness. So that has been my life. Now, my daughter is somewhat at the same crazy level as my son. Okay. But when we're not, tra- which has been a great way to explore the, the, the region, the Gulf mm-hmm. area. Oh, yeah. You know, when you go over to, you know, Mississippi and into Florida, and then, you know, I've never spent much time in East Texas, mm-hmm. so you get to see all the big cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, but outside of that, my family has really enjoyed getting to uh, 
duck hunting for the first time. Oh, yeah. Getting out and fishing a little bit. Uh, so we really enjoy being outside. That's great. That's fantastic. That makes sense. I mean, the state is, is for that, so. It is. It is, and it's kind of, uh, now that I'm here, you know, I'm on one in Cadiana, and they're always talking about, you know, how to, how to you know, bring in, you know, new investments and, and how to, you know, diversify and how to, how to grow the community. And I'm sometimes the new guy at the table. I'm like, do we really want that? Like, you guys got something special here. Like, let, let's be a little selective with how you go about it. Mm-hmm. You know, don't ruin it for everybody else just because I found it. That's good insight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, certainly. Oh. Certainly. Well, that's great. Uh, Travis, again, thank you. Thanks for coming in today. And uh, Jan, as always, thank you for thank letting you. me ask a few questions. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate you so much. Travis Shug, thank you for joining us. And you have such a sweet spirit. I've enjoyed this, <laughs> listening to you. I know you take your work seriously, and I want to thank you and Vimad for not only your support of Discover Lafayette, but your support of our community. Thank you, Grateful man. to have you. I also want to thank our sponsors who make our show possible. Of course, Raider, Oxner, Lafayette General, and as we discussed, Vimad. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't subscribed yet, you can get Discover Lafayette wherever you get your podcast. You can also visit our website, discoverlafayette.net. There's a guest directory, and you can see all the different people we've interviewed. It's really a treasure trove of talent that we have here. Thank you for listening today. On behalf of Discover Lafayette, this is Jan Swift. <laughs>